Welcome to Everything Just Changed, a podcast where we are asking the question of what now in light of the COVID-19 crisis? What does it look like to follow Jesus and love our neighbors in a post-Christian and a post-pandemic world? What do we do when everything that we had thought life was just this at least attempt at a upward trajectory of success where everything's moving up and to the right has completely been pulled out from underneath us? I'm Bryce Hales. I'm the pastor of Resurrection OC in Orange County, California, and I'm with my friend Brad Edwards, and we are talking about the opportunities that this crisis is affording us to follow God into a kingdom mindset, embracing this as an opportunity rather than just uh, living out of a scarcity mindset. And so over the past several episodes, we have talked about what this crisis is teaching us about the necessity of community. We have dug in a little bit to the way that our sort of DIY identity in a secular world is inherently fragile. We have talked about the way that secularism forces us to use truth as a weapon instead of something that we submit to. And today what we're going to do is kind of turn the guns back on ourselves. Uh, Brad and I have in different ways kind of bumped up against the reality of things that we've talked about. And so I think we need to take a step back and say, Brad, how does this stuff uh, really apply to us as pastors also? Man, well, yeah, I feel like that in a lot of ways kind of got hammered home uh, in, in, a, in a way that I have definitely not experienced before. I had this kind of epiphany and a feeling of acute vulnerability uh, at the end of last week. Just to set this up, I, I have a friend, his name's Jason. He's a pastor in Denver who's doing a PhD on spiritual formation. And as a kind of additional thing that he is doing in his PhD cohort for this pandemic season, uh, they are interviewing pastors on like what it's like and what is their experience of Sunday morning in particular, but just in general, like what is ministry like for pastors in this insane season that we're in and how is it affecting them? And so he interviewed me for his PhD and it was really good. But I... I didn't realize how much it was going to just smack me between the eyes uh, until uh, we were in the interview. So one of his cohort members uh, is a guy named Joseph Wainaina. Uh, he is <laughs> functionally what Jason described as he's like the Tim Keller of Kenya. Uh, and so he is a, uh, a... Or maybe maybe Tim Keller is the Wainaina of the United States. I think uh, I think good old TK would probably be pretty honored by that from the sound of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this guy... Uh, who I guess goes by his last name, Wainaina. He was on this Zoom call uh, with Jason and I, and and uh, Jason and I were in my backyard, uh, socially distanced and with a fire pit between us. So we were being safe. But he, uh, just looking at him on, on the laptop, he kind of introduced himself. And before the interview even started, I was struck by his pastoral care um, and his heart, even we were just doing this PhD thing. Like I wasn't really prepared for this, but he, he starts in by telling me that he has, he went on our website, you know, read a lot about, uh, our, our church and, you know, watched a few of the live stream services that we have on, on our Facebook page and hmm. had even watched, uh, the, <laughs> the really embarrassing video about my hair and beard cut, uh, that from the bed I lost about a week or two ago. So you can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, but he he was like, how, how did Ransom react to that? And I was like, you know my wow. son's name. Wow. Uh, and, and then he was asking, you know, how's Hannah doing? And it wasn't like, everything okay at home? Yes or no? Good, we can move on. It was like, no, really. 
this has to be hard on her too. And I was mm. just like, I've got, I've got goosebumps just hearing it because this guy from Africa who I do not know, have never met before, condescended in a beautifully gracious way to, to make me feel seen. Hmm. I didn't even know I needed it at the time. And so, you know, we do this interview, uh, Jason and I, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, I answer the questions and, you know, it, it makes sense. And I'm, I think I'm answering what he's looking for. But at the end of it, um, when we're wrapping up, Jason asks Wainaina, you know, do you have anything for Brad? And he says, I, you know, I just have one question. And he says, Brad, if, if it weren't Jason sitting across from you, but it was Jesus, what would you say to him? And, and it was, it was so interesting because I don't, I, I don't know why, but before he had asked that question, I would have imagined myself going through the, the roster and the list of like, well, here's some questions that I would ask about this pandemic. Like, what are you going to do? Well, you know, what all this stuff. But yeah. I, I think it was actually because it was coming from this place that he had set the foundation for of seeing me in ways that were incredibly gracious and kind. It kind of just swept all that away. And I realized I, the only question that I would have if I was sitting across from Jesus right now is, is this what you want me to be doing? Like, am I, am I doing enough? Am, am I being faithful? And I, I, it hit me how much I would not ask or, or, or say anything to him about like, Jesus, what the hell are you doing with, with this pandemic? Like I, like I, it kind of hit me Hmm. how much I actually do trust Jesus in the midst of this Hmm. same time, how much I long to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, well done, good and faithful servant. Absolutely. If I, it, but but only right, only if I am being faithful. Like I actually want to know. Like, is this what you want? Because just like everyone else, you know, none of us have had, had to figure this out before. You know, whether you're a, a mom, whether you work at home or you homeschool, now you're having to figure it all out. And you're, you know, if you're, yeah. What you do. One of the reasons we're all so tired is because none of us knows if we're doing a good job for doing what we should be doing. Absolutely. And, and I, um, when I said that and just kind of articulated it, I was like, I was choking up and I didn't, at the time, my kind of emotional world was not that close to the surface, but he, with just this simple question, brought it all out. And, and it was, it was a really powerful thing. But then, and then, so after I explained this with unbelievable, I don't know, not unbelievable sincerity, because I, I believe it after he demonstrated it so clearly, but with profound sincerity, he said that he is praying for pastors that he is training uh, and teaching in Kenya. He is praying that they are as faithful and innovative and caring to to their churches as I have been to the to the table to my church. Wow! And I was like, I I, I was Bryce. You know me. It, it takes a lot to render me speechless. And <laughs> I had I, I was just I just said thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's beautiful. And I think what it just kind of hits me between the eyes. Uh, like a two by four is just the reality that as pastors, we're, we're always telling our people, you know, if you're, if you're struggling to feel like you experience God's love for you, and yet there's always things coming up and you're not regularly coming to church, uh, you're, you're not going to be living out of God's love for you. You're not going to be experiencing that. Yes, you might know in a theoretical way that God loves you and cares for you, but you're not going to be kind of living out of that reality because we believe that community, the, the body of Christ as we show up together is actually a means of grace. Mm-hmm. 
it's not just a place where you go to hear a sermon or to hear information or to listen to the announcements or sign up for events. Uh, it's actually the gathering together of God's people that is one of the ways God communicates and gives his grace to us. And we're not experiencing that right now. Mm. And one of the things that we're realizing that, that we've got a lot of pastor friends listening to our podcast. And one of the things that we're all experiencing is we are talking uh, or preaching to a screen every week, you know, uh, we're, or we're, we're preaching to a video camera every week. And um, I had an interesting experience where I actually ran into some people uh, in our church at the grocery store a few weeks ago. And I said, wow, I have missed you like crazy. I haven't seen you in over two months. And they kind of sloughed it off and said, what are you talking about? We see you every week. Yeah. And it just hit me that, yeah, you see me on a screen. I don't see you. And so I think what's just so incredible about what you're describing, Brad, and, and being seen, it, it, just the awareness that as pastors, we're not experiencing the community as a means of grace in this well, time. And and what was so unbelievably validating about both what Wainaina said to me and, and just exactly what you're saying right now is up until that point, I had just been beating the crap out of myself for like feeling needy. You know, why, why do I need the acclaim or the approval of people like this is clearly an example of yet another pastor who is getting his identity, his dignity, value and worth through the affirmation or praise of man, right? And, you know, we pastors need to be held accountable to that. And, but I also... Like at the same time, it hit me how much I had not been practicing what I preach in the encouragement to receive grace through the means of grace that is the body of Christ, myself as a pastor, every time I would beat myself up for feeling needy of that, right? Because that's actually, that's the purpose of, of church, right? Is to have grace given to us, to be able to, to, to receive it in the community and then to have it reflected back at us. And it hit me that Wainaina in, in the way, just in the, the brief, brief, like total three minutes of conversation I had with him hmm. in him asking how my family was doing and having demonstrated that he cared enough to go watch these videos and not in a piecemeal way, like I was seen and known, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, somebody I didn't know handed me a feast of grace that I didn't have to earn. I didn't have to preach a sermon to him. He just, he did it. He initiated it, right? When he, when he asked me, what would you say to Jesus in a way that only like pastors are probably especially needful of, uh, which is to get past our head and just hit straight for the heart. He managed to reflect the gospel back toward me in ways that I kind of knew but it wasn't fully tasting. And he helped me with that in a time when I just didn't have the, the ability or the emotional bandwidth to really understand what was happening in me. He saw it and reflected it. And then, you know, when he tells me, <laughs> I pray for that pa other pastors are as faithful and as innovative in caring for your, their church as you have been. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this, this was an assurance of grace. This was you being Christ to me and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. And I didn't know how much I needed that or how much I had been dependent on my own people in ways that I know, right? We shepherd not as, as shepherds, we shepherd as fellow sheep. And, and I, I didn't realize how much I had been blessed by that until it was taken away. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, one of the fringe benefits we get as pastors is that we don't really have the option of sort of opting out of church. Totally. And, 
And so we, we get the church as a means of grace, and we often spend so much time trying to communicate its value and its importance to people. And yet we are beneficiaries of the, the grace that God gives to his people as we gather for worship week in and week out. And I wonder if part of the reason why so many, uh, especially pastor friends of ours, are just so tired right now. Yeah. Because without realizing that we've been the beneficiary of the means of grace and, and now it's been stripped away and we're still doing everything we can to be there for our people, but we're not, we're not getting the grace that comes through gathering together. Mm-hmm. We're not seen, we're not, we're not being affirmed in, a, in, a, in good ways. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, like, I, I still wrestle with this idea that like, okay, yes, on an identity level, we should not need the affirmation or or the praise of people, the, you know, the well done, good and faithful servant from man, we really should be living for an audience of one, blah, 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 right? We, we all know this, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and there, th- that is true. And when Jesus is teaching on the parable of the talents, and he, he's using language of vocation, and investment and, and actually action in response to God's goodness and character to distinguish between uh, the, the two servants who are given five and two talents, and then they invest it and they each double the money that God gave them or the master gave them. And then the third one who... Who's given one talent and buries it in the ground. Absolutely. And then the master comes back and he says, see, I've, I didn't lose it. You got back exactly what you gave me. And the master says, you wicked and evil servant. <laughs> You know, you could have even at least invested it in the bank and it would have been returned to me with interest, but you didn't risk anything here. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when Jesus is, is telling this parable, he's not making this like hard stop between identity and vocation. He's not being very careful. And, and I think what he is understanding about human nature is that the way that we respond to God's grace is done in faith because we don't have the certainty of the return on investment. It's actually a, a, it is faith because we're rooting it in God's goodness and in his character. And he understands, he tells the whole parable because he knows that there we live between the, the investment and the return on investment in Christ. The response of the father is well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. One of the things that I've always found frustrating about this parable is that Jesus doesn't put in a guy who, you know, gets two talents, invests them, loses them, and has to explain that to the master. Or his wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But, you know, it, it, it humanly speaking, it makes me wonder, Jesus, why didn't you include? Because often it feels like, no, I am risking a lot and losing it <laughs> for the sake of the kingdom. Well, and that's, I, that's the bear. That's the burden that you and I, as church planters especially, but really any pastor or any leader in any sphere is carrying. Well, and I would think any faithful Christian, you know, whether you're vocationally in ministry or not, if you're if you're doing your, your work out of a sense of vocation, and this is who God's calling me to do, you're not just punching a clock or shuffling papers or whatever at the office. You're If you are following Jesus vocationally into the work he's called you to do, you're doing that as unto the Lord. And so... I think we're all risking that, yeah. Uh, whether you're whether you're pastor um, or not, yeah. And when when the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, and the very means that you have been depending on for growth and receiving a kingdom return on that investment, when that goes away and disappears overnight, yeah, of course you're concerned that you're going to be that category that Jesus didn't mention. And I think there's a point to that, right? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, there has to be a point. It's human nature to wonder, Jesus, why did you not include the category of the guy who risked and lost? And I think, you know, we can draw exegetically the point that that is not actually a kingdom category. Yeah. That there there is no kingdom risk of investment that ends up as failure. Right. God says through Isaiah, my word does not return void. He says to the church in Acts, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Not, hey, try to figure that out. And, you know, he's like, it it will happen, right? Mm -hmm. The gates of hell will not stand against the church. There is a guarantee return on investment in what Jesus is redeeming in and through his people, period. We can actually take faith in that. That That's why there is no fourth person in the parable of the talents that lost everything. It's just that Jesus measures return on investment differently than we do. Yeah. Yeah. So Brad, let's talk, uh, let's get practical for a little bit here. Everybody listening, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you are um, like we are pastors, whether you're a parent, what, whatever it is that you're doing, we're kind of all longing for this validation. We're longing to hear the, the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's get, let's talk practically about what is this actually, um, what does this actually look like when the rubber meets the road? And so the first thing I think that the parable of the talents leads us to conclude we have to we have to conclude this is that God measures return on investment different than the world does and so it's not an accident that Jesus does not put in a fourth character who risks everything and loses that there is in a sense no real risk in investing all we have in following Jesus in leaning into a kingdom mentality during this time or ever because there's no ultimate risk mm-hmm. in following Jesus into what he's called us to do. Yeah. And because we are living in that time between uh, when the servants in the parable make the investment and the return on the investment, the return on investment, we won't know or see until mm-hmm. kingdom come. Yeah. So Jesus is telling this parable as, as an encouragement and as a comfort. And as part of that, I'd say the second thing that we've got to remember, especially in a time when we're not in an embodied community that gives us this assurance, we just need to hear even more bluntly and universally than we ever maybe have before. And that is, Jesus is calling you to be faithful with what you have, not with what you don't have, right? You are not the Christ. I am not the Christ. We don't have right now the embodied community, the means of grace that we usually have as as a source of assurance to reflect this grace and gospel back to us. So it's, of course, we we are experiencing anxiety and stress and burden, right? Man, and what a, what a temptation that is in this time when so much of our interaction is virtual. It is so natural for me to, you know, when we're talking with other friends and what are you doing and how are you handling this yeah. to kind of go, man, I don't have those resources. Yeah. Um, you know, we are we are a new church. We we don't have this hyper-developed community group structure that we can fall back on. We don't have a building that we have control over when we're able to gather again as a church. Broke. And so there's so much of that that that's like, Jesus, I can't do what I need to do here because I don't have the resources. And just that reminder, the parable of the talents is calling us to be faithful with what we do have, not with what we don't have. Wow. Can and can I can I just confess something? I am so very tired 
of the mass Zoom conference calls with other pastors and church planters to crowdsource and share brilliant ministry ideas because I don't leave those right now feeling like encouraged and with idea generation. I'm just feeling a, a, a boatload of shame that like, I don't even, I don't even know how some of these people like, look, I know they're telling the truth, but I look at my own situation and be like, I, uh, they have, they must be lying. Um, I don't actually believe that, but like, you know, our church, like yours, Bryce, we've got so many young families that like, and, and live in an expensive area with, that requires a lot of double income households. So like, we don't have the bandwidth to, to, to do a lot of the stuff that I really wish we would. Right. And well, and you see, and what happens when you've got dual income families, you know, homeschooling, distance learning at home, their kids, they're on Zoom meetings all day long while juggling the kids. And then we're coming along and saying, hey, we're going to do a Zoom Bible study. And they're like, yeah, I'm tapping out of that one. Right. Exactly. And then I turn around and I look at bigger churches that are showing up to deliver, you know, pizzas to first responders, to firefighters, to grocery store workers, which is amazing. I kind of look at myself and go, man, what are you doing? But the guy with two talents isn't looking at the guy with five talents and comparing himself. He's hearing exactly the same response from Jesus. uh, Well done, good and faithful servant. Hmm. And so the third thing I think we need to say then is that if you are looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, am I doing a good job? I don't know if I am. That means you're a Christian. It means you're looking with faith to Jesus Hmm. for the source of your identity. And what Jesus says here in response is, is not just well done, good and faithful servant, but then he says, enter into the joy of your master. And that means we've got to rest. You know, I might be pushing the, um, I might be pushing the word joy a little bit here, but enter into the joy. Jesus, Jesus loves you. But if I can maybe even equivocate slightly on that and say, uh, enter into the rest of your master, you know, to, to, to find joy in Jesus is to not have to have it all together ourselves. Mm. And I think that there's a very practical reality that some of us just need to figure out how to rest during this time. We were talking earlier, Brad, before we hit record that, uh, I think we're like 21 Sundays into 2020 and I've preached 19 of those um, because I, I mean, as soon as the crisis hit, our plan went out the window and I have, I was planning to take two or three of those Sundays off, but I've preached all 10 or 11 so far of the crisis plus however many leading up to that. And we're almost halfway through the year and I'm going to get to like mid June and realize that I've preached almost every Sunday for six months. That's just too long to go. And it doesn't matter how well, you know, how emotionally healthy you are. Like you need to rest. I need to rest at a certain point. And man, I would say, Bryce, you have been very faithful to what you've been given, right? And you've, you've responded to the challenge that this is all forced upon us and, and you can put down the trowel and rest. Thank you, man. We need to hear that from one another. Right. But no, we need it until we hear it. Yeah. 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 Uh, one of the mantras I've started to, to tell myself is I am not the glue holding this church together. And <laughs> yeah, that means you know, also not the Christ. <laughs> exactly. I'm not the Holy Spirit that is keeping this ship afloat. And you know what? Thank God. Thank God, because it would be a train wreck even <laughs> more than it sometimes feels like it if, if I were. But it also means, you know what? We can take a week off. We can obviously we're going to care for our people and we're going to continue to figure out how to, you know, how <laughs> I think so much of the reason why we're, we're hesitant to do that is how awkward is it to have like a guest preacher 
over video. Like, how do you even manage the logistics of that? And yet it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. It's right. going to be fine. It's yeah. a lot less awkward now than it would have been three months ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. And clearly there was a time to say, no, like I, as the pastor of this church need to be present here totally. with my people. Um, as things are changing hour by hour. But yeah, we need to figure out, we're going into the summer months. We we need to find ways to actually enjoy God. And part of that is just by rest. Mm, yeah, that's so good, man. We both needed this, I think. Yeah. So there's there's no small irony in the fact that like, even as we're sitting here talking about how absolutely essential the the embodied people of God is to as a means of grace to receive the assurance that that we are loved and that we can hear Jesus's words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. As much as that is true, and we're, I realize we're sitting here trying to encourage you that that is true without the embodied gathered people of God. <laughs> like in a sense, we're, we're kind of doubling down on the same, the very medium that is making this so hard. But you know, what? <laughs> I think that's what it looks like to be faithful to what we've got right now and what we're able to do. And, hmm. and, God says his word will not return void. The gates of hell cannot stand against the church. And he promises the disciples at the end of Luke, the beginning of Acts, you will be my witnesses from here until the ends of the earth. That is a promise Jesus intends to keep. And he uses everything, our shame, our guilt, our fear, our anxiety, our stress, our weakness, our humanness, all of it to accomplish his kingdom and so that's the promise that we can rest in. And that's the promise that we hope that you're able to take a hold of and take a bite out of just a little bit more this week as a result. Amen. Brad and I started this podcast just a couple of weeks into the quarantine as a creative outlet, a way to process together what we see God doing through this crisis. And it's in many ways our attempt to be faithful with what God has given us during this time. We hope it's been helpful to you as well. And if it has been, we would love your help in spreading the word. You can do that by sharing an episode with a friend or just to the public in general on social media. And by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts, that really helps us to show up in the rankings and help more people find this podcast. Thanks so much for doing that. Next week, we continue, in a lot of ways, this conversation we had today, looking inward at what God is doing in us as the world around us seems to be increasingly spinning out of control. Next week, we're going to sit down with Chris Bruno and get his insight as a counselor into some of these same questions. Chris is insightful and really practical, and you won't want to miss that. Please join us. I'm Bryce Hales with Brad Edwards. Our theme music was recorded by Kevin McLeod and used under a Creative Commons license from filmmusic.io. And our logo was designed by Danny Rankin. Thanks, Danny. We'll be back next week helping you navigate life in a post-Christian and post-pandemic world on Everything Just Changed. <laughs>